Grab your Bibles, open up to the book of Revelation. Open up to the book of Revelation. We've been in a series called uh, The Reigning King, and we're going to keep going. We're in uh, chapter 15 today. And uh, I know that I have probably been uh, teaching a little long over the last several weeks. Uh, you know, as, as we walk through the subjects that we've been talking through, uh, they're, they're, they're heavy subjects. We've been talking about judgment. We've been talking about hell. We've been talking about what sin looks like in our lives. We've been encouraging you to be the voice of the Lord into someone's, someone's life. And so, and that takes a little bit of time for us to unpack and to walk through. And so, um, I'm sorry, not sorry, all right, that I have gone a little longer. Uh, today, we're going to uh, continue on in that. I'm going to ask you, we're going to be in Revelation 15, but I'm going to ask you to turn back over to chapter 1 of Revelation. This is not going to be on the screen, so if you'll thumb your phone on, uh, open up there, open up your Bibles some way, because there's a couple of things I want to make sure that you catch. And I think we're at a point where we need to kind of back up a little bit, and we just all kind of need to be reset. Here's where we are in where we're going, where we've been and where we're going. I'm not going to be able to give you everything. That's why we have the app, and the, you can go see those messages online. So I'm going to do this quickly. I'm going to talk fast. You listen fast. Revelation chapter 1, if you look at the very beginning of verse 1, it says, the revelation of Jesus Christ. The revelation of Jesus Christ. All of Revelation is about Jesus Christ. Every bit of it. What we tend to think a lot of time, uh, a lot of times, is that we think about apocalypse and we think about all kinds of crazy things that are going to happen at the end. I need you to hear this: the, wor the word uh, revelation in English, in the Greek, is the word apocalypsis, and apocalypsis means to reveal. So, do you realize what the Book of Revelation is all about? It is about revealing who Jesus. It is about Jesus. It's not about all of the, the visions. Now, the visions are there to help us to understand Jesus. If we get caught up in dragons and beasts and bowls, and all of which are very important, but all of those are pictures to lead us to Jesus, who is reigning today. The book of Revelation is about Jesus. And everything that we see in the book of Revelation, if you're going, hmm, I don't understand that. Where'd that come from? It's in the Old Testament. Remember, there are over 600 either direct references or illusions, references back to the Old Testament. So when you see something and you're going, what is that? You've got to go back into the Old Testament. You see, when we talk about an apocalypse, we're using the wrong word as we typically think about it today. The word when you hear apocalypse is really cataclysmic events, oceans falling down, end of the world. That's a cataclysmic event. An apocalypse is a revealing, a pulling the curtain back. And this is what the book of Revelation is all about. It's about all kinds of signs. It's about all kinds of language. It's about all kinds of pictures that reveal to us that Jesus is still in charge, that God is on his throne, that he is, he has won this war. There are battles that we still face, but in the midst of where we are today, he is one. So we've been reading and teaching and preaching through, me specifically, 
this from a symbolic standpoint, of which, to be real honest with you, I believe is the best, most authentic way to read through Revelation because it is apocalyptic language. It is apocalyptic language. Now, people ask me, does that mean that you don't believe that this is literal? No, I do. There was a literal, literal man named John, the Apostle John, who wrote this, the beginning of Revelation, John to the seven churches that are in Asia. Asia is not a, a figurative place. It's a very real place. The seven churches are very literal. But what he's doing is he is presenting pictures, signs to help us to understand something. The thing about it, though, is, is that he doesn't tell us everything, what they all mean. That's, there's interpretation that has to happen there. So there are some people who read this book very, very literal. That means that there's going to be a dragon one day. I think that is symbolic, okay? There, there, there are people who read this book and say, that's already happened. Like Revelation was fulfilled in AD 70. I don't believe that it's already all happened, all right? I do believe that this book has symbolic references to help us to begin to understand that he is alive, he is reigning, he rules. He has already won the war. It's, it's, now, we still have to walk, but he's already won. Now, I want to make sure that you're clear. I want to be really clear. If you're one that reads this very, very literally, and I'm reading it symbolically, as long as you and I agree that Jesus Christ is the only way to heaven, there is one name, given under heaven by which men must be saved. His name is Jesus Christ. If we agree on that, you know what? We're brothers and sisters. We can sit and we can argue and discuss and talk around, but I'm just going to tell you, I'm not going to argue. You know why? Because the Holy Spirit's going to reveal to us. I'm just not one of those arguers. Let's just go to scripture and let's just look. And You know what? So today, as we come to chapter 15, and we're going to read all of chapter 15. Some of you got really tight. There's only eight verses. Don't worry. Only eight verses. We're going to read chapter 15. Next week, we're going to get in in chapter 16. And we're going to read all of it. And there's 22, I believe. So this should be a little shorter. Well, maybe not. Maybe it won't be a little shorter after what I've done. Revelation 15. I'm going to give you the signpost. If you're still going, man, I, th- the water is muddy. I'm not sure that you cleared up a whole lot. Go to the app. To the, uh, you can go to the website, lifept.com org forward slash media, and you can watch the messages so that you can see. Don't do that. If you're online right now, please don't do that, all right? Uh, I would ask you not to do it in here right now. There'll be a lot of feedback between what I'm doing, and I'll get really confused, all right? Today, three pictures, three pictures that I want you to see as we come through the book of Revelation chapter 15. I want you to write these down, all right? Here's the first picture that you're going to see. The first picture you're going to see is the sign. We're going to talk about the sign. The second picture that you're going to see are the saints. The third picture that you're going to see is the song. Doesn't that sound like a good preacher thing right there? I mean, you just walk through with three S's. I want you to remember them. The sign, the saints, and the song. So let's start reading here. Then I, remember, John is writing. He says, then I saw another sign in heaven. Great and amazing, seven angels with seven plagues, which are the last, which are the last. I want you to catch that. For with them, the wrath of God is finished. John wrote this and he wrote the gospel of John. 
In the gospel of John, Jesus is on the cross. And you remember what he said? When at the end of that, he said, it is finished. All right? Let me keep going. Verse two. And I saw what appeared to be a sign, appeared to be a sea of glass mingled with fire and also those who had conquered the beast and its image and the number of its name standing beside the sea of glass with harps of God in their hands. Verse three. And they sing the song of Moses, the servant of God and the song of the lamb saying, great and amazing are your deeds. O Lord God, the almighty. Just and true are your ways, O king of the nations. Who will not fear, O Lord? Who will not fear, O Lord, and glorify your name? For you alone are holy. All nations will come and worship you. For your righteous acts have been revealed. After this, I looked, and the sanctuary of the tent of witness in heaven was opened. And out of the sanctuary came the seven angels with the seven plagues clothed in pure, bright linen, with golden sashes around their chest. I'm gonna stop there for a second. This is the same picture that you see Jesus in chapter four. When we're introduced to Jesus in chapter four, it says he was in bright white linen with a golden sash. Listen, his followers look like him. I'm gonna keep going. And one of the four living creatures gave to the seven angels seven golden bowls full of the wrath of God who lives forever and ever. And the sanctuary was filled with smoke from the glory of God and from his power. And no one could enter the sanctuary until the seven plagues of the seven angels were finished. We're gonna focus today on one, two, three, and four. We're not gonna spend a lot of time in five through eight because we're going to talk about them more next week. This is an introduction to the ending of the seven judgments, the seven, 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 the seven judgments. And I want you to begin to see, we as a people of God, we are a singing people. Our redemption, we, our redemption is based in Jesus Christ, but we are a singing people. In the book of Revelation, depending on how you look at them and how you interpret it, there are somewhere between 14, 15, 16 different songs. And each of the songs that are sung lead you to a new vision. And we're about to see them. So let's start with the verse one. Verse one here, the very first thing is the sign. Notice in verse one, John says that he sees another sign in heaven. This is the third sign that he's seen. In chapter 12, he talks about two signs. He talks about seeing the pregnant woman. In chapter 12, he talks about seeing the pregnant woman and he talks about the red dragon. But right here in this one, he says, then I saw another sign in heaven, comma, Great and amazing, comma. He describes this sign that he sees as great and amazing. Why is it that he is describing this as being great and amazing? I think one of the reasons is because it's the end. It's the end. Remember, he's already shown us the seven seal judgments. He's shown us the seven trumpet judgments. And now he's about to show us the seven bowl judgments. And he tells us here, he says, these are great and amazing because the seven angels with the seven plagues, which are the last, for with them, the wrath of God is finished. We're about to see next week in chapter 16, we're about to see these seven, seven, seven judgments, they're going to end. Now, 
Jesus still has a final, God still has a final judgment when he casts those who do not know him. When they, those who have rejected him, he's going to cast them into the lake of fire, to the bottomless pit. And that will be the final, final judgment. This is the final one though, as it relates to the seals, the trumpets and the bowls. And I, you know, I said this to our folks earlier and I let it slip in in the second, in the first service. So I'm going to let it slip in here. Um, you know, even as bad, I wanted you to hear this, is even as rough as these judgments have been, did you realize they're an act of mercy and grace on God's part? Because he continually gives these signs to call us, to catch our attention, to say, repent, turn around, stop going in the direction that you're going. So right now, some of you, you are sitting in the midst of a very difficult, difficult situation. And I believe that God, when Jesus Christ rose from the dead, when he ascended back to the Father, we entered into the last days. I think we are living in the last days today. We've been going through tribulations for the last 2,000 years. Today, some of you are in a great tribulation. You're, you, you've gotten the case of a disease that seems terminal. You've got a family that's falling apart. You've got a job that you're going, I don't know how much longer it's going to last your world feels like it is falling in, but I need you to catch this. He is using those things in your life as a great sign to say, turn, repent, come to me as savior. This is what he is using. Do you know what the greatest sign in all the world has been? You know what the greatest sign has been? It's been a cross. It was a cross that was put on a hillside 2,000 years ago where Jesus Christ hung for the glory of God to redeem mankind so that I, so that you might have eternal life. If we would yet come to it and surrender, that we would, Jesus, I've placed my faith in all kinds of things, finances and family and fame and being known. Yet Jesus, today, they've all, fall, they've all fallen. It's all failed. And I am turning to you. The signs that you've put around me and I want you to hear this. If you're not noticing the signs that are happening today, you're blind. And my prayer for you has been this morning on my knees in this room is that God, you would peel back the blinders so that they might see and turn to Jesus as Savior. Holy Spirit, would you do your work? Today, some of you in here, you're already a follower of Christ, but you know what? You're being led around by the nose there's a ring in your nose, and I'm not talking about the stylish kind. I'm like the kind that are on a cow, and you're being led around by the spirit of this age, the spirit of Babylon that Revelation talks about. And you're buying everything that the spirit of the age is laying out. And today, he's got signs all around you. Turn, wake up, O oh sleeper. Wake up. The days, they're short. You know why else I think it's great and marvelous, just to be honest with you? is because the wrath of God ends. Do you realize there's going to be a day when the wrath of God is no more? No more. Those of us who have surrendered our lives to Jesus Christ, we're going to live in his presence. That's not symbolic. I need you to hear me. We are literally going to live in his presence forever and ever. 
Forever's enough. We don't need more evers. We're going to live there with him. And there will be no more pain. There'll be no more sorrow. There'll be no more divorce. There'll be no more bankruptcy. There'll be no more cheating on spouses. There'll be no more death. It will all be over. I think that's why he talks about this being great and mighty. Now, the word in verse one, that's the only verse one. We're only in verse one. How about that? In verse one, he talks about the seven plagues. And he says, the, the word plague there, I want you to hear this. The word plague it, uh, translates for in, in the English uh, it, or in the Greek means blows and wounds. The word plagues mean blows and wounds. God literally is blowing. He is wounding creation. He's allowing it to be wounded so that it would get our attention. Today, I, I, I do think all of the things that are happening in our world, wars, rumors of wars, famines, droughts, natural disasters, pandemics, disease, it's because we live in a broken world and I believe that he uses those things as signs. Wake up, wake up, turn to me, turn to me. I wanna be really, really clear here. We do not believe in karma in this place. <laughs> okay, you need to know that. Listen, uh, when something happens in our lives, in your life, God's not getting you back. In fact, the scripture tells us there are several times in the, in the gospels where someone asked him, hey, did, was it because of mom or dad's sin that this happened? Hey, there, this, this tower fell at the pool of Siloam. Did, did they do, is that to get somebody back when those 18 people died? You go look those up. You know what he said? No, it's for the glory of God. We live in a broken world. But I need you to hear, all of those things he uses to say, wake up, O oh sleeper. These are signs. Matthew chapter 24. I need you to go look and read. If you've not read Matthew chapter 24, the Lord has already revealed. Jesus has already revealed these things to us. This is why we speak urgent every week. This is why we speak urgent every week. Some of you are going, well, we don't do that. You do that. Don't you hate it when the, when the waiter or the waitress comes up and says, hey, what are we eating tonight? Are you sitting down with me? Uh, you know, uh, how are we going to pay for the bill? Oh, thank you. You're going to help. Uh, no, listen, uh, this is why I preach with the urgency that I do. This is why I implore you, come to Jesus. Come to Jesus. The things that are in your life today, he's, call, he's using them as signs in your life. Number two, we've seen the signs. Here's the second thing is this. Look at the saints. Notice in verse two with me. In verse two, it says, and I saw what appeared to be a sea of glass mingled with fire and those who had conquered the beast in its image and the number of its name standing beside the sea of glass. Here's what John sees. John sees into heaven. He says, I've seen these, two, these signs. They're great. I also see these saints. I see people around the sea. 
You remember in chapter four again. In chapter four, when we're first introduced to the throne room, we see a sea of glass. In the Old Testament and in the New, when you see a sea, usually it is symbols of chaos and evil and destruction. Do you remember Jonah? Jonah wouldn't go to Nineveh. He got on a boat and literally went the opposite direction. And what ended up happening is he got out on the sea in the ocean. Waves came, tossed about. They start dumping the cargo. What has happened? What are the gods are after us? Jonah comes forth and says, no, 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 no. It's me. I'm, I'm, I'm running from God. If you throw me over, they throw him into the sea. And what happens? Grace of the Lord, he was swallowed by a great fish. But what happened to the sea at that point? came calm. Do you remember in the New Testament, it, it talks about that the disciples were headed out across uh, the Sea of Galilee. They were ahead. Jesus comes walking on the water in the middle of the night. And Peter, wouldn't you love to have the, the boldness and the faith of Peter? I want to come out. Let me come out. Jesus said, come on. He got out of the boat, started walking to him, began to watch the waves that are happening. And he began to sink. And Jesus reached out his hand and saved him, and there was calm. Another time, they were on the sea, and they're going across, the, across the, the, the Sea of Galilee. The scripture says that the waves were great, so much so that the boat, it felt like the boat was in a tempest. It was gonna be turned over. Do you remember where Jesus was? He was in the front of the boat. He was asleep. The disciples go wake him up. Jesus, do you not realize we're going to die? Jesus gets up, rubs his eyes. Peace, be calm. And what happened to the sea? It became calm. And they looked at him and said, who is this dude? I believe the picture that we're seeing here is a symbol. It's a picture. Remember, it says, it appeared to be a sea of glass. It's a picture of the calm of heaven. Did you realize there's going to be a day where there's no more struggle? There's going to be peace. There's going to be peace. That's the hope. You see, John, this, this book, this real person named John was writing to a group of people. This is the longest letter in the, in, the, in the New Testament. This is the longest letter. He wrote it to seven churches who were in the middle of being persecuted. Do you know where John was when he got this? He was on an exiled island, prison. He had already been, tradition says, dipped in a pot of boiling oil at because of his faith. He was writing to a group of people who were losing their jobs because they would not bow their knee to the emperor worship. They were not able as tradesmen to get their certificate unless they came and they swore allegiance to, the, to, to Caesar, that he alone is God, he is holy. They were losing their jobs. Their families were not eating. Some were being killed for their belief. And he was writing to them to say, listen, saints, you stand strong. There is hope in the midst. Though you're walking through a trial, Jesus has already won this. He is still on the throne. And I believe John sees a picture of that, this, a glassy sea, calm. Listen, if you ever see a, a glass that is fractured, you don't want to get on it. You ever see a glass that's got a whole lot of waves in it, you want to back away. But when you look and you see a piece of glass that is smooth, it's peaceful. Just see it. Wow. Do you know what else it said, though? It says that it was a, it was a sea of glass mingled with fire. 
Some people believe that this fire is a symbol of the, the saints, the martyrs, the ones we saw back in chapter six and what they had to go through. They died for their faith. Do you realize that there are people still dying for their faith today? Did you realize that throughout history, one of the, one of the greatest ways that people tried to persecute believers was to burn them at the stake? I had the opportunity, uh, it, it marked me for life, but I had the opportunity to go serve in the country of Belgium. I was in the city of Brussels, less than 10 miles from me. It was a town called Vilvoord, where one of the great reformers, William Tyndale, translated the Bible into English. He was burned at the stake in Vilvoord. During the reign of Mary, Queen of Scots, Bloody Mary, she had burned over 300 people who trusted in Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior and wouldn't bow their knee. Did you realize that today, while we are meeting, there are people on the other side of the world in Afghanistan who have received letters from the Taliban, from ISIS, saying, we know who you are as a believer, and you are not safe. Did you realize that today in North Africa, in Somalia, in Nigeria, did you realize that in, because we often just think of Muslim countries, that in India right now, radical Hinduism is trying to wipe out Christianity. There are people who are dying for their faith today. I'm going to ask if you don't mind. I, I, I want to pray for those brothers and sisters today around the world. We, we, we laid out, we've given, if you haven't seen it, We've put out a prayer guide specifically for Afghanistan right now that I would encourage you to get. And that you can download it off of any piece of social media that we have off of any of our websites. And I would ask you to begin praying for them. But I want to pray for them right now. All right, would you join me as we pray for them? In fact, I would ask you to lift up prayers as I do that on our behalf. Father God, I come to you and I pray for our brothers and sisters whose lives are being taken for the gospel. For these saints who will not bow their knee. For the saints who are standing. For the saints who kneel and say, I will not bow. Who stand in the long line of reformers. Who stand in the line of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Who would not bow the knee to wicked Babylon. Father, may they have strength and courage. And Father, I pray, Lord God, I'd ask you that through their sacrifice of life, may there be people in the Taliban and ISIS who come to know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior because of their boldness. Father, forgive us for not standing today where we live because we're embarrassed. Give us boldness, Father. For it's in the name of Jesus that we ask these things today. Amen. You know, it'd be easy to pity them, but I need you to hear, don't pity them. Don't pity them. They knew. They know. We do need to pray for their strength. We do need to pray for their families. 
Many also believe that this sea of glass and those that are around it also is symbolic of those from chapter 14 that said they died in the Lord. Remember in chapter 14, it says, blessed are those who have died in the Lord, for they have now rest from their work, from their labor. And I want you to hear, I I think it's both. I think it's both. Chapter 14, or or excuse me, yeah, I think it's chapter 14, talks about the 144 that are gathered around, the 144,000, symbolic of all the believers down through the ages. And I believe this is what we see, that they are now gathered around. Folks, I'm gonna ask you today as one of the saints, if you've surrendered your life today, how are you doing at standing strong in the midst of Rome, in the midst of Babylon today? How are you doing when all around you, the godless world philosophies are coming at you and they're saying, listen, you got to bow your knee to this. Are you prepared to stand? I, I have to continue to say, Week in and week out, there's no one asking for your life today in, in Middle Tennessee. I do want you to know it may cost you your job. It, it may cost you some of your pride. But my question to you today is, will you stand with these saints? Will you be numbered among these saints Because all throughout the scripture, the the, the scripture tells us that it's those who persevere to the end. How do we know that they are believers? Because they persevere to the end. How do we know? Listen, in the gospels, Jesus says, don't, this was just in a reading this week. Don't be fearful when you're drugged before the authorities because I will give you what to say. I will give that to you. Folks, In the midst of where you are today, he's got signs all around you. He's given us saints down through the ages, those brothers and sisters on the other side of the world who today give us courage and strength and examples that you can stand where you are today. You you can do that, not in your own power and strength, but in the power of the word. So you've seen the saints. You've seen the sign. Now look at the last thing, the song. Let's look at the song. Verse three. Look at the song. It says in verse three, that this group of people, they're singing the song of Moses, the servant of God, and the song of the Lamb. Verse 2 tells us that they are, uh, they're, they're standing there with golden harps. Now, I don't know if we're going to have harps, violins, guitars, drums. I don't have a clue. What, what it's telling us, I believe, is that there was a beautiful sound of the saints around the sea worshiping. The song of Moses. Do you remember back in Exodus 15? In Exodus 15, all of the plagues of which you're going to see more next week, the seven angels who empty the bowls, the seven bowls of wrath, they very much echo, they show the plagues of the Exodus. Moses, Pharaoh has said, you go get out of here. They leave in the middle of the night. They've packed up over a million people and they're headed out. God has given them the exit that they've desired, that Moses has said, if you'll stand firm, you're going to see him move. And I need you to hear me. Where you are today, whatever you're facing, if you stand firm in the Lord, you're going to see him move. It may not be exactly how you're you're desiring, but he is going to do that. He does not leave his people alone. 
He cares for us in the midst of our tribulation. But here's what happens. Moses gets there. They get to the Red Sea, and they're going, what are we going to do? How are we going to get across here? What's going to happen? And all of a sudden, somebody begins to say, hey, listen, the Egyptians and Pharaoh, they're bearing down on us. They're coming for us. Moses goes before God and God says, go out into the sea and you stick your staff in it. The rod of God, you stick it in there. And as he did that, do you remember what happened? It says the water rolled back. And it wasn't soggy ground. It wasn't muddy ground. It was dry ground. It was as hard as this concreted, carpeted room that we're in. And a million people went across it. And as they got across it, they began to look back and Pharaoh's army is coming through, coming down through. He, the scripture tells us he got to the middle of the Red Sea and God rolled the sea back over. And I need you to hear me. I don't believe that to be symbolic. I believe that to be literal. It happened. I remember being at a Baptist college uh, as a, as a uh, young sophomore and my New, New Testament professor saying, you know, I don't know if that really happened. I think it was probably more like ankle deep water on, on dry season and they got across it. I'm thinking, wow, okay, well, God drowned them in ankle deep water. That's a miracle in and of itself that that happened. <laughs> he drowned them. Folks, do you realize this right here in Exodus is a picture of the sea, the fire of judgment coming down on, Mo, on Pharaoh and the army? Listen, folks, if you'll stand back, God's going to deliver you. He's going to do that. How? I don't know. But he does not leave his children. It may not be the way you desire, you realize that there are people, we, we saw this back in chapter six of Revelation, that there are, he said, listen, there are still those who will end up giving their lives for the sake of the gospel. I wish I could stand here and tell you that he is going to physically heal all of your diseases, all your sicknesses. I wish I could stand here and tell you that you, you may not, yeah, listen, he may give you all the money you want. No, he may send you through bankruptcy so to reorient you. Okay? But I need you to hear this. I want to be really, really clear. I don't care where you are today, Jesus is greater. If you lose your house today, he is greater. If your child freaks out and runs away and never has anything else to do with you, if you have Jesus, he is greater. That pain will be so great. But I need you to hear me. One day, the scripture says, all rights will be made wrong. All wrongs will be made right. Jesus is greater than anything you think you have today. If you don't know Jesus, that is what I'm calling you to. I'm calling you to him to something greater. This is why it's called the song of Moses and the song of the lamb. Did you realize that Moses is just a picture? He was a foreshadow of Jesus. Jesus is the greater Moses. Do you know what the song was they sung? The song was a song of deliverance. They got to the other side of the Red Sea and they broke out. God, you are great. God, you are marvelous. All, they recounted all the deeds of the Lord to get them to where they, are, to where they were that day. 
Do you realize around the glassy sea that is mingled with fire, do you realize that is a song of deliverance that the saints are singing? And I promise you, I want you to hear this. He wants to deliver you. Again, it may not be how you think you would want, but he wants to deliver you, and he will deliver you. He will do it. Notice also in there, in that, in, as he was reading, I want to read that. Verse 3 and 4, it says, Great and amazing are your deeds, O Lord God, the Almighty. Just and true are your ways, O King of the nations. Who will not fear, O Lord, and glorify your name? For you alone are holy. All nations will come and worship you, for your righteous acts have been revealed. Did you realize right in there they didn't sing anything about how great they are? It's not how great I am. Not about how much I know. Look what I've done. No, God, you delivered me. God, you delivered us. God, you stepped in and made a way where there was no way. You know, in our body right now, I hope you're all right with this. If you're not, you'll get over it. In our body right now, we have three people who are in dire need of Jesus touching them and healing their body. Charlie Russell right now needs a touch of Jesus in his life. He is laying in COVID ICU as a 27-year-old young man. Ben Aelo is with his son in San Diego. Nico. COVID. He needs a touch of Jesus. Michael Sullivan, who has been, praise God, he has gotten him out of ICU and off a ventilator. But I want you to know that today, Michael still has struggles even talking. He's weak. You know what his physical therapy was? Can I sit on the side of the bed for four or five minutes? Had a long road. I'm going to ask that we intercede because God is good. I walked in and all Michael could do was mouth. And you know what he mouthed? God is good all the time. That's what he mouthed. Folks, we need to pray for Charlie. We need to pray for Michael. We need to pray for Nico. I'm going to ask you this. uh, Lizzie. Alignamath has two cousins right now, young, under 30, in their early 30s, 20s, in ICU right now on ventilators. One family. If you have someone in your family right now who is in the hospital with COVID, I'm going to ask you to stand up. I want to intercede on behalf of you. Amen. Amen. Folks, I do want you to look around and see who these are because as a body, we need to be praying for these people and interceding on their behalf. Amen. Here's what else I'm going to ask right now. If you have someone in your family, maybe they're not in the hospital right now, but they are sick and struggling with COVID right now. I'm going to ask you to stand and uh, and we're going to pray for you, pray for them. 
Won't you pray with me? And I'm going to ask that we pray in agreement right now. You intercede on behalf of them, and I'm going I'm to lead out on this. Father, I'm asking you right now. You are the great, the awesome, the mighty God who is able to deliver. You do things that we don't understand. And so right now, I'm asking Father, would you heal these diseases? Would you be breath in their lungs? God, would you, would you miraculously touch Charlie right now? Would you touch Michael right now? Would you touch Nico right now? Father, would you touch Lizzie's cousins? Father, would you touch the people that we're standing for today? And would you heal them? And Father, I pray that it would be a sign of your glory and your power If they do not know you, Father, would you use this to bring them to you? Would you use this in the lives of people who do not know you and that they might surrender their lives to you? Father, if you choose to heal in another way, Father, would you give us the the grace, the mercy, the understanding to walk with family during these days? We trust you. Thank you for doctors and nurses and medicines, but you are the great physician. And we trust you. And it's in the name of Jesus that we ask these things. Amen. You can sit down. You know, uh, I want to know, is there... uh, Is there someone in here who has a family member, a friend that does not know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior? They've not surrendered their life to Jesus. If that's true, I'm going to ask you to stand right now. And we want to pray for them. Amen. You know what I'm asking right now? I want you to look at me real quick. Here's what I'm asking right now. Listen, I'm assuming that all of you standing, that means that you are the saints. I'm asking, would you be the sign right now? Would you go to them? Would you text them? Would you say, hey, can we meet up? I've got to share with you something that's very important. Because I want you to know, what we want is for them to be singing that song of deliverance around the glassy sea. We don't control their salvation. That's up to God. But I'm telling you, he has called us to be his mouthpiece. And you know what we'll do when they give their lives to Christ? We will shout and we will sing. But I'm asking you to be obedient. Father, I'm asking right now, Would you send your spirit to go before these people? God, would you soften the hearts of the ones that they're going to be speaking to? Would you right now, be wherever they are, maybe they're watching online right now, would you convict their lives? Would you begin to place your fingerprints? Would you begin now to soften them? And God, I'm praying right now for courage for the ones that are standing. I'm asking that they would be bold, that they would risk embarrassment, 
I'm asking God that they would open their mouths and give testimony of the greatness of our God. And I'm asking, Jesus, would you save? Would you save? Even today in this room, would you save? And it's in the name of Jesus I ask these things. Amen. I want you to be seated. You know, he has delivered in so many ways. I, I, I want to give, I, I give testimony. Uh, back in September, I got sick with COVID. I was as sick as I've ever been. I've never been that sick before. Uh, for three weeks, for, for three weeks, I sat in my chair because I couldn't, couldn't lay down. And there were days that I literally despaired. I've never faced that before in my life. Never faced that before. I literally despaired. I remember looking at Amy and saying, I need you to pray. I need you to pray for me. I remember sitting there. I'm sorry, I didn't cry in the first service over this. But I remember sitting there and uh, in my chair, and I just began to recount, God, you were so good. You are righteous. You are holy. I've seen you move in my life here. I've seen you move in my life here. You have done this. You saved me. I have children who walk with you. You've gotten me here. You've done this. You've done this. You've done this. You've done this. And you know what began to happen after literally a couple of hours he began, there's a passage that where it talks about where well, he will become the lifter of your head. And he lifted my head and I had encouragement. My COVID didn't go away right then. I still had some long days. But I received encouragement like I've never received in those moments. And it wasn't, it was through my wife, it was through prayers, but it was through the spirit. And I need you to hear me. When I was able to get up, with the breath that I had, I sang a song of deliverance. Let me ask you a question. Have you ever been delivered from anything? Has the Lord ever moved in your life and delivered you? If you I want to see something. Hopefully I'm not it. And I want you to hear, when he does that, he calls us to sing the song of the Lamb. It's not by your willpower. It's not by great medicines. It's, he uses great medicines. It may be by counselor, but it is by the hand of the Lord. And we stand and we sing, you are great and you are marvelous. There is none like you. Oh God, who doesn't fear you? Listen, I want you to know there's some of you in here, you're big men, you're big women. I don't fear anybody. I want you to know you fear somebody. You're fearing what someone thinks of you. You're fearing what could be, but I need you to hear one day, one day, one day, it will be over. And the things that he's putting in your life today as signs are so that you would fear and turn to him. And today, would you say, God, I fear you. I'm trusting you. I, I need you. Listen, when we've been delivered, we sing the song of deliverance to the Lamb. 
who has delivered us. And so today, that's how we're going to respond. We're going to sing to him. Because we're a singing people. You may go, it doesn't sound good. That's all right. The scripture says you make a joyful noise. It sounds like his children crying out to him. Father, I'm asking today that you deliver people and set them free in this room. I thank you. I thank you. Father, I thank you. And I'm asking you to save people. I'm asking that today that we would sing out to you in response to how you have delivered us. You are our song. And it's in the name of Jesus I ask these things today. Amen. Won't you stand? Zion, you come and lead us. Jason, you lead us, please.